<laughs> oh. Literally blows the eardrums out yeah, at the start of the show. Thanks, Ken. It's unpleasant, though. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is the podcast, the Icon Performance Health Podcast, Under the Bar. It is. Rawdon, welcome to the studio once again. It's a pleasure to be in here with you. Look, we are actually in a, a real-life studio for our yes. listeners that don't actually believe. We've, we've got a, a sound guy, a rock star, Cam, sitting to our uh, left there, your right, Tom. Big, 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 big show coming up, mate. And, uh, looking forward to this one. Interestingly enough, Rawdon, we were talking about a few things pre-show. A lot of our listeners out there have probably heard of Dr. John Martini. I went to a, a seminar that he was giving the other day, and he was talking about how growth occurs on the boundary of comfort and discomfort, mm. or on the boundary of challenge and support. Mm. And you and I were talking about how since we have sort of branched out and spread our wings spread our wings and gone mm. to do our own thing there is that initial anxiety about whether it's, yeah. it's going to work going out on your own and then it can uh-huh. be really pleasing and refreshing when this organic process of business developing and things running along very smoothly and clients coming in and sessions being done and plans being pumped out and it's yeah. um it's been really a refreshing experience for myself and i know it is for you as well yeah and definitely. uh and that energy certainly flowing through the icon performance health center at the yeah. moment i'm over there on the weekends with the strength mafia and uh, you're a resident there yeah always there sitting out on the balcony there in my little office t- yep. typing away doing various the, things but the beautiful. The vibe down there is really good. We've mm. got some uh, new mirrors and equipment being rearranged to cope with the greater volume of traffic in there these yeah. days. Yeah, so really get it uh, ship-shaped the way ship you want shape. it. Ship-shaped, yeah. yeah. But it's a 24-hour gym. Yeah, and, it's, uh, uh, it's got some pretty trick, again, faster and uh, all the watts and dumbbells there. So and uh, things are going really well awesome. down there at Icon. Now, this big show that we make reference to, Dan Garner, his Nutrition Fundamental Series Part 3, He's talking about carbohydrates today. Mm. Yes, the C-bomb. The C-bomb. A lot of positive feedback about Dan's segments. He really has a knack of breaking down these issues into science-based, easy-to-understand, fundamental takeaway points. Yep. So stay tuned for that one. Our special guest on this week's program is Preston Green. Yeah, Preston Green from the Florida Gators. The Florida Gators in the NACCC. Heads up the basketball, strength and conditioning. The uh, college basketball. College yeah. basketball. He has got an amazing setup out there. You listen to this yeah. interview and just think, wow, this is a, a strength and conditioning coach's dream. He's yeah. got his own $1.3 million facility. Yep. He literally controls all the nutrition for his mm. athletes. Mm. Every second of their day is accounted for, and yeah. uh, he's there to produce professional basketballers and win championships. Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting insight into what's involved being a, an elite level strength and conditioning coach it yep. you know looks uh, I know a lot of colleagues are like yeah that's what I want to be SNC coach for for some sort of um, elite team but when you sort of hear what uh, Preston reveals actually goes into you know the A to Z of what actually does for his team with right down to individual program for, for every member of the team it's um you know, no cookie-cutter approach, that's for sure. It's very, Absolutely. very hands-on. Yeah. Once again, Rawdon, uh, if you link it back to what we were talking about at the start, about growth and challenging mm. yourself, mm. every single guest we have on this show has got some sort of aspect of their life story where they did challenge themselves or they've pushed and done this extra thing and taken themselves out of the comfort zone repeatedly yeah. to become so successful at, at what they're doing, you know. Yeah. And, and for the listener out there, if you are considering 
a career manoeuvre or doing something, yeah. you, know, you do your uh, due diligence, of course, mm. but uh, you know, get amongst it. Yeah, we, we encourage you to quit your job and uh, <laughs> just go, go into the industry and do, do what you will. You know? Now, uh, off the back of us last week talking about our initial phases of programming from a nutrition perspective, yep. we thought this week we might have a look at our base programming systems yeah. when a new client comes on. That'd be interesting, yep. Uh, we've got some listener questions we might run through and a few other little bits and pieces, so it's a big show. Juicy. If you'd like to contact us, podcast at iconph.com.au. Uh, this one has come through from Cole. Thanks for the email, Cole. King Cole, Mary Old Soul. Hi, team. Love the podcast by Tom and Rawdon and would like to know where to get and what brand of supplement to use for the curcumin that you guys have mentioned. You recommended eight grams per day for two weeks and then four grams per day thereafter. Also, are you using turmeric powder? And, you know, where can you get this stuff? He's in country Victoria in Australia, so he doesn't have access to this retail. So... Mm. Look, the product that I have used is the Thorn Mareva 500. That was the one I had the best results with. I've also tried the Designs for Health C3 curcumin. Mm. They're mm. both curcumin phytosomes. So it's a curcumin phytosome is the style of curcumin product that you're after. Yep. Uh, the Mareva Thorn 500 is the one that I got, and you can get that off iherb.com.au. That's where and, I order it from. And just give our listener, because it's the increasing the bioavailability of the curcumin, correct? That's right, yeah. So, so they like actually, phospholipid yeah, the active ingredient is, is encapsulated in a, a phospholipid, so that the body thinks it's a fat, it goes into the bloodstream. The active curcumin is then released into the bloodstream where it can get around and uh, work on organs and joints and things where inflammation abounds. And again, your experience with it, you had uh, notable improvements in your knee Knee pain, uh, knee pain, elbow pain. It takes about a month or so to really kick in, a couple of weeks to a, to a mm. month. and then, uh, then So when you start your curcumin cycle, you need to give it a bit of time for it to really <laughs> kick in and feel the positive effects. Yes, cool. yes. Right. And mate, you've been using just the actual turmeric powder with a number of your yeah. clients? Like I don't, uh, to be or, honest, or I... The seasoning? Well, we know from for our listeners, some of these spices are beneficial with, with, with cooking Yep. to negate the, the carcinogenic properties of, um, of some of the meats that we consume. So for that reason alone, it's great to include turmeric. But from a, an inflammation-reducing uh, perspective, uh, as far as I'm aware, the turmeric is uh, very beneficial for, for gut health in particular. Yes. So turmeric is definitely one of those uh, spices that I do tell them to use from a, a gut health perspective, which is obviously paramount. One of the things that I'm trying to do with my clientele is to get that digestive system working optimally or better than what it was uh, before to maximize, obviously, recovery, hypertrophy, blah, blah, blah. Everything to do with, uh, with what I'm trying to do with them revolves around digestive health. So the turmeric is definitely a go-to there. But I haven't really used much uh, of the uh, the curcumin like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, First hand in the trenches, like, like you said. So there you go, Cole. From a, a digestive perspective, that's when you'd use the turmeric powder. Yeah, just with, with as many meals as you want, you know, a few yep. times a day. And then uh, more systemically on joint inflammation and organ health, all that kind of stuff, you need the curcumin phytosome, which you can get the Thorn Mareva 500 from iherb.com.au. Very good. Thanks, Cam. Oh, we caught him napping. <laughs> something in my eye which is a bit unpleasant but uh, you're listening to the podcast the Icon Performance Health Podcast under the bar Rudin last week we spoke about our initial phases of nutritional programming we did yep when someone comes in so it would make sense to then sort of have a bit of a sniff around what we do with our clients from a programming perspective for sure 
probably last time we discussed this may have been way back in an earlier episode when we, we yep. sort of spoke about base programming. I think your demographic has morphed itself over the course of the the year or so we've been doing this. And yeah, a very, bit more niche. A bit more niche these days. So I'm actually curious to, to hear about what you're doing with your clients if uh-huh. you have a particular system when they first come in. Sure. So away sure. you go. Oh, okay, so I'll go first. You go uh, first. Balls deep. In we go. <laughs> Up to your nuts and guts, mate. Up to the nuts and guts. All right. Uh, after I've set up nutrition, uh, baseline nutrition, all that type of stuff, that's all done. Before I actually coach them, I do dot I's and cross T's, and it's a, a prerequisite that the individual must be able to move through all the big movement patterns. Uh, I point out that the preparation that we're going to go uh, through is going to require some pretty intense training, and it's not a time for us to uh, rehab any sort of uh, part of the body. So I've had clients um, approach me, and they're, oh, I've just come back from a you know, back injury, I'm, I'm, you know, getting back to squatting. I was like, cool, go get yourself sorted. And then when it's all back to 100% and you can train within 90% of, of 90, 95% of your abilities, then come back and we'll start things up. So bear in mind that my initial phase of programming doesn't really have to cater for... Um, corrective or structural... Co- corrective or structural issues, correct. Yes, like I'm, okay. I sort of uh, weed those individuals out. So we pretty much open slather with the first phase of programming. Excellent. However, having said that, depending on whether it's uh, uh, what division they're going in will influence uh, what I actually do. But the first phase of programming is a little like the first phase of nutrition in that let's just throw something at them with enough frequency and volume per body part per week to elicit a training effect and then see how the body responds. See what parts of the body grow, see what is going to need more attention because my demographic is obviously hugely subjective to their aesthetics whether they do well or not on stage so after the first phase of programming we can sort of see what uh you know because everyone has uh uh, body parts that respond quite well to uh, uh training genetically i really think it comes down to a much more efficient my muscle connection that the individual has with that part of the body yes uh, f- for anyone that does know me they'll know my calves are okay and for me you know i can get doms just by pretty much just pumping my calf up and down here on the spot yeah just because my ability to r- contract the calf is is ridiculous yeah for whatever you know, reason for whatever reason yep. my muscles are fantastic and you'll see that from time and time again like um you'll see an individual that has a, a great body part and you'll say hey you know, what body part do you enjoy training the most? Oh, my arms. Do you feel your arms contract the most? Yeah, I can really get a ridiculous pump on my arms. Yep. Obviously, they have well-developed arms. Yes. So I, th- I throw a program at them and, and um, looking at the total sets per body part per week, that influences things a little bit. These days, I'm making sure there's enough frequency per body part. Mm. And by that, I'm talking about working uh, particular muscle groups with enough frequency in a, in a seven-day period. Uh, according to the research anyway, I deem enough uh, to elicit hypertrophy, meaning not with so little frequency that it's a once a week uh, type of event, because that's not really going to, uh, in my book, uh, develop uh, the muscle. Yeah. So you need to do it with far more frequency than that. So I look at the frequency per body part, um, usually just a five day split for the first phase of programming. But GBC for my bikini girls, the others, uh, I really like to start with something simple like a like a straight set method uh, where it is just uh, A1, five sets of six to eight, B1, five sets six to eight, C1, five sets six to eight. And, and uh, you know, the frequency and, um, and volume in the seven-day period we looked at, dotting I's and crossing T's in that regard, but a really, really simple program. Yep. I, I don't like to 
play all your your, your schmancy uh, trump cards and, and give them anything complex because they're getting used to tempos, they're getting used to rest periods, they're getting used to using the the Dropbox and the Excel app on their phone and, and really just getting into the routine and the groove. Really that first phase is about getting them online with, with the way I'm programming, yep. seeing how the body responds and then being a little more creative thereafter, focusing on specific parts of the body prioritizing what part of the body they actually need to improve on a case-by-case basis yeah Yeah. case-by-case so it's all individual it is an individual program that uh, essentially no one else has done yep yeah cool so Uh, that's the first phase yes excellent mate well that sounds really good so we spoke about the GBC as in the the German body composition program method I think was back in episode one or two right at the very start and when we were talking about nutrition last week, I sort of said I have these streams of clientele. That's right, yeah. There'll be the beginner to intermediate, or these days it's more intermediate to advanced. Yep. So for a beginner to the intermediate class of client, they will typically start with corrective GBC. Yes. And you can go back and listen to episode one or two to, for, to hear us go into detail about GBC programming, but for it sure. just gives them, that client, a nice exposure to a range of different movement patterns lots of different unilateral exercises yep smooth out any correctional imbalances for sure and get their head around you know what the training is going to be like and all that kind of stuff definitely yeah i couldn't agree more and and i would say that if body composition was a primary goal i generally would even throw all clients into some sort of gbc style program be it a physique athlete or a bodybuilder just just to shift body comp initially at start then it would be more specific programming yep yep something funny would be to see you do a corrective gbc (laughs) style of (laughs) training training 10 to 12 reps per body part Ooh, i think the, la- the last time i actually did one of those workouts i was thinking about this pre-show was with christian maurice when he was out in australia and i'm not sure if you were doing the workout i have a vague recollection of you possibly being there but yep. he was running the workout was um, biosig or? it was during biosig yeah and it was just horrendous yeah. really really tough uh, yeah. workouts to do so with clients that have that little bit more training age, these days I tend to start them on what I call a modified Erdner program. Yep. Training, Touch of the Benoit's. When I was training with Andre Benoit, he yep. had his signature training system called the Erdner system, which is Andre spelt backwards. Yep. Very technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have actually emailed him this and cleared it with him. But basically, it's a method by which you stimulate the nervous system in the A-series exercises, and yep. the meat and nuts gets done in the middle of the workout. So I use it to chuck in corrective exercises at the start of the workout. That's where you get your corrective element of the programming. Uh It switches on the nervous system, and then they'll do the bulk of some relative strength to functional hypertrophy rep ranges in the middle of the workout. And I just find for an initial phase of programming, it has a really nice blend of intensity and volume. Not too much volume, not super heavy. It's just right in the middle. And so with baseline calories... It's not too metabolically challenging to put them in a hole. It's don't need excessive carbohydrates. Don't need excessive carbohydrates. Yep. Don't need excessive calories. So the way they respond to that phase of training is just a nice mid-ground. It gives you an understanding of what the body will do. Yep. And from there, you can quite easily increase intensity, mm-hmm. maybe go into a, a 7.53 wave load or yep. something, yep. or you could then go the other direction, increase volume, jack their carbs up and put them into a tri-set or something like that if yep. hypertrophy yep. was the goal. So it just... Okay. For the same reasons, mate, it just sets up that baseline. It's something new that they haven't done. Yep. Smooths out any structural issues. Yep. And they get to move a bit of metal as well. Yep. And then you get a, a sense of what their body will do and the programming thereafter becomes, uh, you know, streamlined and they're more individualized. Yeah, yeah. Sort of writes itself once, you, um, once you've got that initial feedback from the, from the individual. And Very good. 
Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health Podcast. And uh, Ruden, this segment's become hugely popular on the show. Huge. Dan Garner. It's as big as that wheel we used to do. <laughs> yes. As big as that. I miss the wheel. <laughs> I miss the wheel. Uh, Dan Garner, keep an eye out for Engineered Nutrition Systems. It's coming. Online certification. Contact Dan, Dan Garner, strength coach and nutrition specialist via Facebook. Yep. Uh, we're here to talk about carbs. Dan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Excellent. Okay, so we gave protein the real once-over yeah. last time. It's All time the- to get the lowdown on carbohydrates because mm. I think if there's any macronutrient that has more... Uh, Fear. Myth and yeah. uh, and fear surrounding it, it would be carbs. The Pro- C-bomb. And, and unfounded, yeah. I might add. Yeah. Okay, Dan, where do you want to start, mate? Carbohydrates. There's so much to discuss here. There's a lot of people that hate carbs. There's a lot of people that love carbs. There's a lot of people in between. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of facts and there's a lot of fallacies. So why don't we talk just a little bit about their function, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really the most important macronutrient towards making changes in fat loss and muscle mass behind protein. So protein's absolutely got to be there. That's the priority. That's what you set in your meal plan before anything else. That's what you make sure you get in per day before anything else. But... When it comes to making changes in fat loss and muscle mass, carbohydrates are the next most important nutrient ahead of fat. Now, why is this? Because carbohydrates are fueling what you're doing in the gym. And if for the listeners who have listened to the last episode and the first episode, we discussed that the gym is the stimulus for what you do. Mm. And then what you do outside of the gym is almost entirely governed by nutrition. And it's going to determine how you adapt and respond and recover to that stimulus. So whether you get results or not. So since we're creating our result stimulus in the gym, We better be training our ass off in the gym as well. And carbohydrates is what allows us to do that. Carbohydrates supply both the muscle and the nervous system with their preferred fuel source. And this is important to care about because systemic fatigue can occur before local fatigue. Meaning if I'm doing a set of bicep curls, which I do Monday through Sunday, if I'm doing a set of bicep curls. In the squat rack, yeah. Yeah, in the squat rack for sure with weight that's too heavy for me. So I usually just hip extend it through. But uh, uh, I, system, what was I talking about here? Uh, Systemic systemic fatigue versus local fatigue. Yep. So carbohydrates, this is important to care about because systemic fatigue can occur before local fatigue. So if I'm doing my bicep curls in the squat rack, systemic fatigue can occur before my biceps actual, actually fatigue. Yeah. Mm. So what that means is that my biceps aren't actually getting the best stimulus that they could otherwise uh. have gotten because my nervous system crapped out before my actual biceps did. Interesting. So, so- when we're taking pre-workout carbohydrates, a lot of people think that that's just for the muscle cell, but you have to take yourself outside of the muscle cell for a moment and think about the nervous system as well, because that's what's actually recruiting your muscle fibers to tell your muscle fibers to do whatever you want them to do. And if we're getting nitpicky about it, the muscle cell is primarily utilizing the glycogen that you stored from your carbohydrates from yesterday, Mm. whereas the pre-workout meal is mainly providing blood glucose, and the blood glucose is what the nervous system's really eating on. Ah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I I have uh, spent some time talking to um, Dr. Mike Isretal, and, you know, he puts it quite bluntly. You'll never see uh, anyone uh, having a a poor workout through a a, a lack of uh, body fat, but you'll see time and time again poor uh, performance in the gym through a lack of uh, carbohydrates uh, to fuel the workout. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, definitely agree with that one. It's really interesting because you notice the difference as an individual when you're training. Say you haven't had carbohydrates for a couple of days yeah. and you have pre and intra workout carbs, you get a bit of a pump. Yep. But if you've been loading carbs for a few days and then you train, it's a significantly greater pump. It always seems like it's what's in the muscle before you start training that really makes the factor on the on the swell and the pump, mm. um, which would make sense with what Dan's saying. Then you know it, it's what's stored in the muscle, yeah. not so much what's actually in the bloodstream. And the blood glucose can go to actually fuel the nervous system. Really interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think it's a potent vasodilator as well, blood flow, all those types of things. And you know, you I often load the guys with uh, carbohydrates pre-stage, but it's it's you know they say oh so we load glycogen stores and it's like. No, you're not going to load glycogen stores in 90 minutes, but uh, it's going to load the bloodstream, vasodilate, increase your pump that way. So, yeah. yeah, cool. You get a whole ton of benefits from it. And like the, the glycogen being stored within the muscle cell, that's important to care about because this is why we focus on our nutrition, not just pre and post workout. This is why we focus on our nutrition all the time mm. because you need, like Tom said, when, you've been, when you have had carbs for the last three days and then you train, there's a substantial difference than if you've had no carbs and then just have pre-workout carbs. Yeah. There's a big difference in how well you're gonna be able to perform and how long you're gonna be able to perform. And let's also, make sure that we understand that RPE is different than performance. So although if you're on low carbs and you say, yeah, man, I go hard, I don't need carbs. Yeah. Well, your rating of perceived exertion is probably yeah. high. I totally believe you. Mm. That does not mean you're performing well. Yeah, 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 fascinating. As these segments develop, Dan, it seems the picture that's being painted is that whether it's energy balance, or whether it's uh, protein targets, or how you have carbohydrates, it's what you're getting in over the course of the day, which has a 24-hour yeah. period, has a bigger impact on the actual timing. Nutrient timing, mm. yeah. Yes, what, that's absolutely what, true. While we're talking about that, because that aspect of uh, consuming carbohydrates uh, pre-training, the 90 minutes, two hours prior, uh, I understand um, now the, the nervous system benefits. I mean, I have uh, also heard others suggest that, you know, the carbohydrates elicit an impact on serotonin, which obviously is not a hormone that you necessarily want elevated when you're about to go training. And I have actually personally, as much as when I start training, it seems to be good, but if I consume certainly a high GI carbohydrate, sort of 30 minutes prior, I will, you know, be nodding off and then I'll get to the gym and <laughs> micro sleeps here and there, but then I'll get in the gym and then then it's, it's all, all, right. all guns blazing. But what about the serotonin uh, carbohydrate thing? Is that um, uh, like some individuals will respond better carbs pre-training, others might want to, like you said, in the 24-hour period, just make sure that the, the carbohydrates are loaded into the muscle tissue. Okay, so it's a, it's a few answers to that question. So, but what first comes to mind is I think that's normally in people's head. Um, okay. they, they, someone told them that carbs pre-workout makes them tired, so then they kind of get tired when they go to the gym because the research says otherwise. There is a ton of research on pre-workout carbohydrates and carbohydrates benefit towards performance. Okay. That's out there. It's available. You can check it out. That's that's there to for the seeing. And with, for the serotonin thing, that's... That's a kind of whole nother ball game in and of itself. So at this point in time, there's a large body of evidence demonstrating that nutrition can and will affect your neurotransmitters within the body. Neurotransmitters, they're primarily synthesized from amino acids and even dating back in the 70s and 80s, it was shown in rodents, 
mind you, mm. that increasing tryptophan concentrations elevate serotonin. So we're having carbohydrates, we can elevate serotonin. Whereas increasing tyrosine can elevate your dopamine and catecholamines. Yep. Another example, kind of stepping outside of the amino acid spectrum, is that when you the lecithin and choline, which are found in fat, they elevate acetylcholine. Yep. But that research is being provided to hypothesize for a lot of things towards sport performance, pre-workout carbs, and not having carbs for breakfast being two of them. Yeah. But what they don't look at is that the same researchers who did that same research found that adding protein to a high carbohydrate meal suppressed elevations in serotonin due to BCA content competing and winning the war of absorption over tryptophan. So remember in the protein episode when we talked about agitation and BCAAs winning the absorption war yep. over tryptophan and yep. creating anxiety? Uh -huh. Exact mm. same thing right here. You're not going to be going in these unrealistic serotonin levels, especially since you're having a protein source with your meal. So unless you're having pure white rice or just glucose before training, this is something that's not worth worrying about at all. Okay. Your neurotransmitters, they're going to be ready to rock and you're fueling your muscles and your nervous system more efficiently. It's bottom line. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I will point out it was just straight uh, glucose that I was having when I did... Uh you know, but but I look, and you were going through a phase where you were very very prone to microsleep. <laughs> look, I mean, you know, it, it, I could just be sitting there on microsleep. It yeah. probably wasn't even the carbohydrates, but just coincidentally, I yeah. did happen to have a, a nap or two on the way to the gym. But it was quite pleasant. Okay, Dan. So we have this picture of carbohydrates that you have over the course of a day in the overall spectrum of things. That's going to be the key factor. But when we're going for the extra edge and we want a specific hypertrophy result, what about the kind of carbohydrates and the timing? Yeah. What's the difference? So when it comes to the type and timing, um, that's a big question as well, and it's going to require a pretty big answer. Okay. So when it comes to carbohydrates, the timing of carbohydrates is based upon the workout. So it's not based upon the morning. It's not based upon you're going to store fat if you have carbs before bed, which yeah. is nonsense. Yep. It's, there's, it's the timing of carbohydrates is based upon the workout. And when it comes to pre-workout carbohydrates, we do want to do this for all the above reasons that we already talked about, yep. including the muscles and the nervous system preferred fuel source. It's important to point out that it's their preferred fuel source. Yep. Yep. And when it's a short duration, high intensity activity, like say 20 minutes of sprints, that's when it makes more sense to have high glycemic index carbohydrates pre-workout and not too far away from pre-workout. So say 30 to 60 minutes, high glycemic index carbs, such as a carbohydrate powder or something like that. Mm -hmm. yep. But if it's a longer duration workout, kind of like the resistance training that the three of us are doing, saying over 60 minutes, 90 minutes, sometimes even two hours, it makes a lot more sense to have low glycemic index carbohydrates anywhere from one to three hours before your workout based on individual preferences. Okay. So this is where things like oatmeal and sweet potato, quinoa, meals like that pre-workout benefit your workout a lot. And that those that's the type and timing in a nutshell of pre-workout carbs. Okay. When it comes to intra-workout carbohydrates, this is definitely where it's you do not want low glycemic. You don't want to be eating sweet potato while you're squatting. <laughs> you know? This 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 is gonna cause GI distress and yeah. definitely create 
a negative impact towards your performance, but we want high glycemic index carbohydrates. And why do we want high glycemic index carbohydrates? Because they metabolize quickly. That's important to care about because carbohydrates actually pull water and sodium through the small intestine. So yes, we're getting a fuel source for our workout, for our muscles and nervous system, but we're also getting enhanced hydration from it as well. So that's a big deal there. And we're also creating an increased insulin environment as well. Okay. And insulin is something that's very good to have at not high, super high levels or super low levels, but consistent fluid levels before, during, and after training because it's the most anabolic hormone in the body. And when it comes to post-workout nutrition, this is where carbs are incredibly important. And they become incredibly important, especially if you're training twice a day. Yeah. Like when I had to, when I when Tom was training twice a day and I was doing Tom's nutrition, we had a big carb load after that first training bout of the day to make sure that he was prepared for the second workout of the day. And that was comprised entirely of high glycemic index carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So what are high glycemic index carbohydrates gonna do post-workout? Well, they're going to stimulate more insulin, which inherently stimulates mTOR, that muscle-building pathway we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. High glycemic index carbohydrates have been shown in the research not only to refuel glycogen more quickly than other sources of carbohydrates, but also refuel the glycogen more maximally. So you actually get more glycogen storage. Ah. And this research is actually done even when carbs were equated. So that's a pretty big statement right there. Okay. So you want to have – this is something that I always say to my clients – Pre-workout nutrition's pre-workout nutrition happens when the last workout ends. Yes, because yeah, right. that's when we're, that's when we're getting the maximal glycogen storage. Pre-workout nutrition does start when the last workout ends, because it's during that time we're going to get the greatest amount of muscle glycogen storage that's actually going to allow us to perform tomorrow. Yes. Yep. And I guess that, that important point there, although in a 24-hour given 24-hour period, you're going to uh, achieve reloaded glycogen stores it may not when I uh, we the original when we introduced nutrition I said there's an optimal optimal scenario and uh, yeah it'll happen scenario but I suppose if you're in the business of maximizing things we spoke about with protein having it pre-bed you know having it over that 24-hour period but if you're in the business of eliciting you know certainly a lot of my clientele with competitors but anyone looking for the edge then post-workout high glycemic yeah. you will load fractionally more glycogen uh, than what you would if you consume carbohydrates, you know, multiple hours later. Yep. Yes, that's correct, and 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 the timing is important. It, it's correct, and the timing is important too. You do want to have it immediately post. So it's it's kind of cool to say now that post workout nutrition is not important, and you can just go home, relax, and have yes. it when you want. But the closer you have that post workout shake to your training window is actually going to be more beneficial. So it is smart to have it immediately after training because training stimulates insulin sensitivity in the muscle cell. So you're yeah. going to be able to store those carbohydrates more effectively in the muscle cell as opposed to the fat cell. It stimulates GLUT4 translocation. So you're going to be able to store carbohydrates in the muscle cell even independent of insulin being available. Yeah. But you're also avoiding the inflammation issue. So what's been demonstrated in research is that the longer you wait away from the workout, inflammation creates an issue for glycogen replenishment. And this is one of the reasons why I do tell my clientele to have the post-workout shake closer to immediately after training because as you get further and further away from the window, 
insulin sensitivity also decreases slightly and slightly. And GLU4 translocation also will decrease slightly and slightly. You can think of it just as a curve. The higher, it's going to be very high immediately post-workout, and it starts to drop off until, depending on the volume and intensity of your workout, mm. this can be anywhere from four to eight hours later. And then it becomes hard because as DOMS increases, delayed onset muscle soreness, you're going to get a linear increase in insulin resistance as well. Yeah. And what does wow. that mean? Well, that means less glycogen replenishment for you guys. And an easy way to think about it is in, when inflammation pre is present, it's like a really busy city. Okay, So let's say that carbohydrates are us and we're trying to get into the muscle cell which is a hot dog stand in the middle of new york city hell yeah okay it's going to be easy to do at 3 a.m we're going to be able to get there no problem but if we try to go at 9 a.m it's going to be super busy and we might not even get there that's what inflammation does to carbohydrates trying to get stored into the muscle cell they just create a really brutal environment the immune system creates a creates the inflammation which makes it hard for carbohydrates to be stored within the muscle cell. Yeah. Fascinating. And is that beginner, advanced, advanced is it a little more crucial? Beginners can get away with uh, that more relaxed post-workout carbohydrate consumption. Did we does it come back to more advanced you are that 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 window is uh, even shorter? Well, when it comes to carbohydrates post-workout, it's actually not incredibly important from advanced to beginner because okay. physiology is physiology. You know, you're creating insulin sensitivity and GLUT4 translocation whether you're a beginner or advanced. So regardless of the scenario, it's going to create a greater glycogen uptake. But the real thing with post-workout carbohydrates is you want to have them immediately post-workout. But if you're only training once a day, this can come in the form of food because yeah. within the 24-hour period after training, if you take care of your post-workout, even if it's food, you're going to have full replenished glycogen mm. storage anyways for your next training session. Yep. But when it's, when it's the most important is if it's twice a day training or let's say you're at a grappling tournament and you grapple in the morning and in the afternoon Multiple or you're times. at a volleyball yeah. tournament and you have a game in the morning and in the afternoon, that's when it matters the most is twice a day training. But when it's once a day training, you still want high glycemic index carbs post-workout, but they can also come in the form of food, mm. like your favorite cereal or white rice. It actually makes a lot or of sense. Or chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, man. Yeah. Chocolate milk is not even a bad scenario. You're getting muscle <laughs> glycogen replenishment with the glucose availability, and you're also getting liver glycogen replenishment from galactose and fructose. So not a bad situation at all there. I think the other key factor with all this is the intensity and volume that you mentioned of the actual workouts. So a few weeks back on the first show of the year, I spoke about when I was away on holidays, doing maintenance training, I'd train, fluff around a little bit, mm. then I'd go and have a swim, and then I'd eat a little bit later. It was no big deal. Now, when I was training with Andre and Dan was doing my nutrition, there was no way I was finishing those workouts and going and fluffing around for a little while and then eating something later. Like I was desperate for nutrients. So mm. I, I think all of this, as we prefaced, the more and more desperately you're fighting for a, a result and trying to force the body to do something, yeah. that's when the timing of all these things plays a more and more critical role. Yes, absolutely. And one other thing uh, before we wrap uh, carbohydrates up, I think it was uh, a Charlie Walker medical science extraordinaire uh, who was on the program not so long ago, but he was talking about one of the pitfalls of uh, ultra-low-carb nutrition is, you know, you spoke about the, the gut biome and uh, the actual 
you know the resistant starch that we we, we do find in the you know essentially a, a prebiotic for the you know the the probiotics that exist uh, in our, in our gut and when we go low carb for extended periods the you know you're essentially starving off the the good bacteria in your gut so another reason aside from the performance and uh, getting jacked which you know you had me at getting jacked you know but the <laughs> yeah. you know just just keeping a in reality a, a healthy uh, digestive system. digestive system it requires carbohydrates yes absolutely but there's there's no logical reason to totally eliminate carbohydrates unless it's a very unique scenario fascinating okay carbohydrates dan i think that's covered carbohydrates very very nicely for the applications of our listener thank you once again and we'll uh talk to you again about fats very very soon thanks dan that sounds great. There he is, Dan Garner from Dan Garner Strength Coach and Nutrition Specialist on Facebook. And uh, keep an eye out for his online certification, Engineered Nutrition Systems, coming out in April. Excellent. Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health Podcast. Icon. Rawdon and Tom. Rawdon, you know, and the listeners would know, that one of the things I like to do to uh, really reduce cortisol levels is where a couple the, of things yeah, oh the thongs where, yes. yeah where the thongs in the studio mm. and uh watch the nba of a night time well and, and cricket uh, uh, yes uh, unfortunately <laughs> yes. you do like the cricket as well and, uh, i do uh, love cricket but i've um i downloaded the nba or subscribed to the nba league pass you do get quite season, and i try and watch three games a week uh, and, and you were just you Knicks not so long ago. You, uh, I was over in New York. I went to a couple of Knicks games. Yep. But at, at the moment, it's, it's very hard for me to uh, support anyone but the Golden State Warriors because they're oh. just. I just can't stop watching them play. They're uh-huh. amazing to watch. My, my eyes just glazed over a bit yeah. there. What Golden State Warriors? Yes. Uh, anyway. But um, obviously, NBA is Huge. one of the over two thousand games in the season. Wow. The, the millions of dollars that this generates is mm. incredible. Billions. But what's fascinating from an Australian perspective is how massive college basketball is over in the states like it's almost as hugely followed as yeah. the actual nba and some people are, are in fact more passionate about their their college team yeah. than a than a professional team so it's mm-hmm. it's really fascinating and we got an email from wolfgang yeah uh, a couple of weeks ago suggesting that we uh, maybe hook up uh, our next guest and get him mm. on and have a chat because we've got preston green on the line another one of uh, i guess a poliquin Influence. Uh, influenced strength coach doing incredible things in the world of strength and conditioning. conditioning. yeah. And he works with the Florida Gators, specifically with their basketball unit, and he's got his own facility over there. It sounds like a sweet deal. Mm. And uh, he joins us on the line right now. Preston, welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. Terrific. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Preston, can you give us a bit of an idea of how you got to have your own facility and be training a, a college basketball team? It's like a dream job for... Mm. A lot of our listeners out there, how does one sort of progress to that level? Well, first of all, you better hope the Warriors don't face the Thunder <laughs> in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Cause yeah. <clears throat> those, those are my guys. The guy that hired me here is actually the head coach there. So when uh, the NBA is on, I'm, I'm obviously pulling for those guys. But uh, Well, they're but, uh, actually a pleasure to, to watch as well. I think Russell Westbrook's one of my favorite players also. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, dropping yeah, names. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see him do some uh, plyometrics and stuff like that? Just actually, how much would someone like Russell Westbrook back squat? Are they strong? Uh, it depends on the guy, to be honest. Obviously, he is wired like a freak. He's mm. he's one in a hundred thousand the way the guy is designed. So, obviously, you can imagine the amount of power and acceleration the guy can can produce. So, 
you know. But uh, the the key for those guys, honestly, is, is in in the NBA. It's a little bit different than. Uh, than it is for what I do here in college, and I'll, I'll get into that in just a little bit. But yeah. the number one deal for those guys is durability. You know, obviously yeah. the, the the teams that are healthy late, you know, in April, May, June are, are the teams that win. So yeah. it's a little bit Not of a injured. different paradigm there mm-hmm. than, than kind of what we do here. But uh, yeah, it's you're going to need a, a map of the United States here to, to kind of follow my journey. Uh, okay, that's fine. Interesting. Uh, Fly <laughs> away. Kind of what I've done, but I was actually very fortunate where. I believe I was 14 years old, and at that time, I actually knew what I wanted to do for a career uh, mm. as far as being a strength coach. So I was very lucky uh, to kind of get a jump start on a lot of the people in the industry then where I was at the uh, the library, and I was trying to study strength training, and obviously at the time, there's no internet and, and things like that. So I came across an article that this guy wrote in, I believe it was the Australia Journal of Sport, uh, ironically, and it was obviously Charles Poliquin. I, and I said, wow, this, this stuff makes sense to me. It's fascinating. It's, it's different than what was in the bodybuilding magazines and stuff. And so that's kind of how I actually first came across Charles's reading by, by, by coincidence. And then at age 16, I actually I got his home number. And oh, wow. I'm not going to tell you how I illegally obtained it but yeah. uh, so <laughs> I, I called friend. the guy up at his house I'm 16 years old with this you know huge excitement and got a hundred questions written down thinking that hey you know I'm gonna finally <laughs> get to talk to this guy and I'm gonna get a great amount of information I see where this is going yeah and I don't know if I can say the words of what he said uh, yeah, when he answered the phone but nonetheless it wasn't very receptive to me <laughs> and I said hey Charles I'm Preston Green and blah 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 and he had a, a great three or four words, I believe, that came out, and then he hung the phone up. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, damn, I said, you know, this, this is not going to be as easy as, as it is as I thought it would be. So the next day, I get up the nerve. You know, I dialed his number like five times and hung up, and, you know, I finally got the nerve to, to call him again. And I had a question about a, a, the first glutamine study, I think, that it came out, and I think that got his attention of, you know, hey, this is not some – Little, yeah. little kid, you know, whatever. Yep. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. And then I went to Clemson University when I was 17. And I volunteered in the weight room there for football, American football and so forth. And I believe for the first 12 weeks, all I did was, was I cleaned the weight room. I yeah. wiped down every bench, made sure everything was picked up and so forth. And then uh, the head strength coach at the time, his name's Gary Wade. He's retired now. He was actually 24 years old when he was the head strength coach for the Detroit Lions in the NFL. So wow. I was lucky to have a, a good mentor at, at such a young age, and he gave me a scholarship to be a strength coach. So I basically got my university paid for to be a strength coach. Like, like what a great deal that is, you know? Yeah. And I had five teams on my own. Now, remind you, I was 18 years old when I took over volleyball, women's soccer, men's golf, men's cheerleading, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, helped with some other sports. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. Yeah. No clue. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm training these high-level athletes, you know. But for me, that was a life-changing experience because I realized that to become better at coaching, you have to write programs. 
You yeah. cannot just take a workout and implement it that someone else wrote. So I think to become great, you have to make mistakes. And to become even greater at whatever you're doing, you've got to learn from your mistakes. So that's kind of how it all started. And then four years after that, I moved to the University of Minnesota where I did my master's degree in kinesiology and sports science or whatever the heck they called it back then. And uh, I did hockey for a year and football for American football for a year. So I was being exposed to a variety of sports and trying to learn and, and so forth. And I got a really quick, great story. I'll, I'll tell you, this is how uh, influenced I was by by Coach Poliquin and had such a desire to learn from him. I uh, you know, was in my doing my master's degree and he had a strength and mass seminar in New York City. Like what a what a great name for a for a seminar back then. I said, I gotta go to this thing. Yeah. I had no money. So I actually forged some documents from the head strength coach letting him uh, allow me to go to this. <laughs> and it was the greatest weekend of my life. Yeah. I paid the price for when I got back. I boy, did I get a, a, a huge lecture uh, from him for doing that. But that seminar basically changed my life uh, from an information standpoint. It inspired me and motivated me you know, to go on. And so I was really lucky where, once again, the guy I worked for, his name was, uh, I worked for him, his name was Brad Arnett. He actually is in the private sector now, but he trains J.J. Watt, who's one of the best uh, American football players and so forth. He got the head job at the University of Arizona and took me with him, and which was he gave me my first full-time job. And that's kind of how it all started. Uh, from there, I realized that train teams with regards to the Poliquin principles and so forth, it's very difficult to do when you had 110 guys on an American football team. Yeah. So I'd always been a basketball fan and, and played the sport growing up and so forth. And so I got offered the director's job at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. This was three years after being at Arizona. So I was the youngest head strength coach in the United States of America at the Division One level, which was a pretty you know, huge accomplishment. And that's when I specifically started training basketball. That was in 2003. And um, I was there for five years. Then I got offered a bigger and better job for basketball at Stanford University out in California, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal institution. Mm. Just great people, great minds. Uh, it was a little different of a mindset from an athlete because those guys are just brilliant they go on to be doctors judges lawyers cardiologists and so mm. i realized after trying to train them for a year like wow these guys are, are great they know what they're supposed to do they listen they do everything to perfection mm. like yep. it's actually kind of boring you know and uh so anyways i got another call uh, a couple years later to be to go back to where it all started back at Cle in clemson and in this industry you never get to really pick and choose where you go you know you're lucky to get these opportunities so I moved back to uh, to Clemson South Carolina and did specifically basketball there uh, for three years I believe it was and then I got the best opportunity of my of my career when a guy named Billy Donovan uh, hired me to come here to the University of Florida and do basketball here been here five years and uh he has influenced me from a coaching standpoint more than anybody with regards to 
what it takes to make a great coach and, and staying on edge and, and always trying to get better each and every day some way, somehow. Not from a science standpoint and a strength training standpoint, but mm. just overall as a coach. as a coach and, and as a person. So I don't know if you know your geography, but that's quite a, a, a large <laughs> amount of moves. I probably moved yeah. more than anyone in the business here in, in the United States as far as strength coaches, but each each move has been a, a step up from a career standpoint where I forget the latest stats but at Stanford when I was there uh, if they were a country they would have come in I believe sixth place in the medal count in uh, the last uh, the last Olympics like that's the type of athletes that they produce yes um, they had more gold medals I think than Italy and Japan and, and so forth Incredible. and uh, here at Florida, I think if you go through every NBA roster, the, this program has produced, I believe, the fourth amount of pros that have actually made it in the NBA. Yep. So that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at and what I do right now. That's that's, awesome. that's wonderful. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, obviously uh, the big man himself, Charles Pollock, would influence in quite a few things. There, you went to the. The, the the what was it the mass and strength, strength and mass strength yeah. and mass yes. seminar oh, sign me up now yeah but um obviously as you developed as a coach and but you know with some notoriety in the industry did you interact more and more with Charles over, over the years were you always uh, honing the craft with with Charles's influence or did you yeah, sort of yeah, get the that's basics a great and, question yeah I would more than anybody I, I mean ninety nine percent of what I do is is his stuff I don't take credit for. For it, you know, he has he has shaped who I am as as a strength coach and influenced me, and we become uh, good friends and, and so forth. He he told me years ago that if he had a fan club, I probably would have been president of it. That's hilarious. If I was stalking him, I think he asked me if, if I wanted to marry his ex-wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he, uh, I, I have always tried to learn something from him mm. each and every time I can. And I said, I bring him in here every year to do a private seminar and, and, and invest in him and, and his, in his work because he told me a long time ago, you know, you've got to think big and, and go out and find the mentors, have good teachers and go out and find them, yeah. you know? And so yeah. I, I have tried to take every single thing that I can from him and, try and apply it some way somehow and it's it's worked for me because you know he i think the reason i'm successful in this for so long is from the things he he taught me in the sense of just mastering the basics getting guys strong not falling yeah. into the trap of what looks sexy what looks fun you know you as a coach dictate what the athlete does from a potential standpoint you know so he, he's taught me that you know, your job as a coach is to make them better. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily what is easy and what looks cool. Yeah. It's it's what is, is is better. So, you know, full squatting, you know, things like that. It's not the sexiest thing to do here all the time, but as far as producing results, you know, that that's what my job is. And, and he has definitely taught me from that standpoint. You know, that's uh that's quite refreshing to hear that. Um, yeah, you hear it time and time again. You know, master the, even like I work with a lot of. Uh, uh, physique athletes that's what my d demographic is but you know all my programs will have those core fundamentals the, the big movement patterns those basics and sure there's all sorts of uh isolation stuff that are you know that that come and go but it's it's nice to hear even in the uh, strength and conditioning world that you know master the the fundamentals and if your athletes can can at least get all that right then they're a, a better athlete yeah 100 you know, yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And along those lines is, you know, I think to be to be really good at what you do when you train athletes is, is you cannot reward performance. You've got to reward effort. Because yeah. what I've noticed is with these guys who are 18, 19, 20 you know, years old or whatever, they have been told since they were six years old from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is of how good they are. And, you know, you're mm. this next NBA, you're the next LeBron James. These guys have been built up for such a long time when they come in in the into my weight room for the first time it's my job to bring them back down to reality yeah you know and the way to do that is to teach those guys how to train to teach those guys how to work hard you know to, to, yes. to give them a goal and explain to it how we're going to reach them you know whether it's you want to be a top 10 draft pick you want to be a lottery pick whatever your goal is mm. well for that to happen Here's what we're going to do. I tell each and every one of my guys, the very first thing is, if you want to make it in, in the NBA, you better listen to every single thing I say. Yeah. Every single thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, because, I mean, you, they can't be stopped on the basketball court in many circumstances, but, you know, strength training is the great leveler because the only thing is weight. Mm. You know, you can be as strong as you like, but you can still be brought down a peg or two by a heavier load, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And everyone's Humble. good, everyone's skilled, everyone's talented yep. in, in the sport. But not everyone knows how to go above and beyond when it comes to, to working and playing with passion and energy yeah. and playing hard. And we try and emulate that with what we do in our off-season training of teaching guys what it takes to really win. Not, not just win a bunch of games, but, but win big. Yeah. You know, we want to compete for championships and, and, and win big things. When we're not interested in just winning a bunch of games, you know. Yeah, you know, and in order for that to happen, you've got to come in ready to work. All the distractions, you know, you, you have to block out. We, we preach that to these guys every day of our, our motto here is no noise. You know, no noise. Block out everything. The, the agents, these people are telling you you need to be shooting more. You need coach needs to be playing you more minutes. You know, whatever it may be, block all that stuff out when it comes time to train. So yeah. when you come in this room, you guys need to be ready to go, having a mindset of that. It's time to get better. You know, yep. no noise, block all that out. Nice. It, it, it's amazing what these guys go through from a pressure standpoint. When, when you're not performing well on the court, you know, you, mm. you can you can see that right away in the next training session where guys don't have that fire and they may be a little bit down. And so, you know, we want to block all that stuff out. Mm. That's good, mate. I feel like I'm having a workout now. Yeah. some weight. Yeah. I'll tag uh, but, you in the video. But you know what's interesting is, is you know, I've been in a lot of different schools and, and seen different programs and stuff. But, you know, like I said, if you ultimately want to win championships and, and compete at the highest level, then there's a lot that goes into winning. It's not just being talented. It's not just being the strongest guy. You know, it's, it's a combination of being great at everything, yeah. you know. We want to. We want our guys to be pros when they're not inside this building. Yep. You know. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, to win something, it's a synergy of all, all elements because it's it's so difficult, so competitive. Preston, I wouldn't mind getting into a few of the nuts and bolts because uh, you know you mentioned the importance of being able to or having to write programs to be an effective strength coach, and um, I'm sure Rodden and I program differently for you because we're I guess more focused on body composition you're looking at uh, a specific kind of athletic performance but I'd like to uh, if you could give us a bit of an insight into your method your system for writing a program where you start and, and how you put the like bits a, and pieces together you know a, a, you, what a week looks like uh, for the for the sure for yeah the athletes. yeah what's the system okay that is a very very complicated the question to answer <laughs> that's why i went for the what does the week look like <laughs> yeah. you know how does um, the week look like? but it's a great question because 
you know, when when uh, when Wolfgang has his seminars and and we try and do two of them together and kind of do a sports specific one, it, the question always comes up because it's it's a very very complex question where you know you have 15 guys it sounds like it's an easy job but those 15 guys are all different mm. they all have different goals they all have different body types they have different training ages they have different neurotransmitter makeups the whole deal and on a year-round cycle out of the 52 weeks they only get three or four weeks off so yeah. i'm very fortunate to be able to produce the results that i do because i'm with these guys year-round mm. so yeah. What we do is uh, when season – so we are in season competitively playing from November to the middle or end of March, okay? Yep. So we will always train a minimum of two times a week. Uh, when season is over, they get a week off, and then it is full go. They are mine all the way until the end of August. Right. Okay, because there's rules where you can't practice and can't – be on the floor doing individual instruction with the skill coaches and things like that at certain times of the year. But during the off season, it's I, I am the eyes and I'm the voice yep. of the head coach. Um, but that is when we do all of our training. So when guys, when we have new players, they the whole team has to be here for the second summer session. The summer off season divided into two six week programs. Okay, so the new guys who get here coming out of high school have to be here in July. They will go through a whole evaluation and assessment, you know, structural balance testing. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. That yep. is the basis and premises of, of my program design. Um, we'll go through that with them, and then they'll do the neurotransmitter test. And then I will design their program based off of that, of what they are weak at, what they're not good at. Um, yep. Is that the and brave? I have six weeks to correct that. Braverman assessment for the neurotransmitter yep. test? Yep. 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 Okay. All right. Yep. Um, now, along those lines, you know, the whole team is here. Some guys are on more functional hypertrophy. Some guys are on relative strength, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Some guys have had in the program for three or four years. They're doing more advanced methods. Some guys have zero training age, so their neurological efficiency is garbage. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of all over the place with that. Mm. Um, it's very, very complicated to explain all that, but... Basically, each guy has a goal, and we will train them specifically for that. Uh, okay. wow. I know that sounds crazy, but where it actually gets easier is most of my guys are all fairly lean. I don't have to really have a guy, per se, who needs to lose 12% body fat. We wouldn't recruit him to come play here. Yep. You know, um, So that's where it kind of simplifies a little bit, but most of the guys – are in three different groups. I'll have a volume group, an intensity group, and a variation group. Okay. 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 That's good. Because most of them are dopamine or acetylcholine dominant for the most part. Yeah. Um, so there's not a whole lot of variance. Obviously, you know, there's not many NBA players that are serotonin dominant. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> so uh, no water where, types. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where it gets a little bit easier. So once uh, – that is over. We'll go into our preseason, um, which is basically they'll get a week off after the 12-week summer training program. They get a week off, and then we get into preseason training, which gets quite complicated because then practice can start on the court for about two hours a week. Okay, okay? so I will train guys three or four days a week, 
and that's when I have to go through a six-week conditioning block getting those guys ready for practice. Um, One day is more of a metabolic conditioning day. One day is more of a a sports-specific energy system type training for basketball. So Mm -hmm. we may lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They may do speed training on uh, Tuesday and then more metabolic conditioning on Thursday. And along those lines, they'll do about six workouts on the court with the skill coach. So you can understand from that, what I do from the end of the season leading up to preseason has to be extremely efficient. It has to be perfect. It's got to be great. Because once preseason starts, it's too late. Too late, yeah. Are these guys got, are they yours? What else is in their life? Are they studying 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 in college or they got a degree that they're trying to complete? There's a huge misconception here in the United States. These guys actually do have to go to school. (laughs) Uh, That's not negotiable. They they are student athletes, so yes, they have to go to school. But obviously these guys are recruited here to play basketball. So, you know, coming out of high school, they think, oh, I'm in college now. I'm going to have all this free time. I'm away from mom and dad. It's actually less. Every hour of their day is taken. So let me give you an example. So an example, during preseason, I may have two guys come in at 7 a.m. to train. At 8 o'clock, they will eat breakfast. They'll have to go to class from 8.30 to 12:30, then they'll have to be over at our facility at 1:30 for practice or whatever. They may get out at four o'clock. They grab dinner. They have to go to study hall, and then all of a sudden it's nine o'clock at night, and then there you go. Your day yeah. is taken. There's not well, a lot of time yeah. to. Well, they've got to find some time to squeeze in some women there somewhere as well. I guess. Yeah, yeah, don't don't you worry. Uh, yeah, don't you worry about that. That's, that's, that's all. Um, <laughs> So, we, won't, we won't get into that, yeah. but uh, but yeah, we want to occupy all of their time. That that, that is what we do. We yes. want to occupy all of their time. Yeah, that, that, that's okay. for sure. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the obviously the neurotransmitter, and obviously you're getting into the the functional side of things. You mentioned also that uh, you want to make these guys great, so all, everything has to be synergistically perfect, you know, and it has to uh, really be uh, eyes dotted, t's crossed. Sleep, you know, that's a massive. Uh, you know, for me, for my physique guys, as soon as the sleep goes out, their body comp is, is much harder to control. Performance in the gym, poor. Uh, how much with sleep and, and while you're talking about that, maybe nutrition, like yeah. do you influence those things or is there someone else? I know the boys are lean, but uh, have you got someone hitting the, the calories for them? You know, how much does all that stuff and who take care of do you take uh, take on that responsibility? Like how does that yeah, work? Yeah, no, actually I do all of that. Um, I will do a sleep presentation for them twice a year, uh, just trying to constantly educate these guys on going to bed, sleeping properly, the whole deal. And if you ask me what the biggest challenge of my job is, I would tell you it is by far sleep and nutrition of Mm. getting these guys to be pros outside of this building of eating the right things and so forth. So I do all of the the meals, the menus. Uh, We're actually very fortunate where we can provide meals is for the guys as much as we want. There used to be a rule against that. So they all get post-workout nutrition, post-practice nutrition, shakes. Um, and then I will bring in dinner for them each night after practice. Some mornings when we have to get up, I'll have breakfast brought in um, and so forth. Wow. So it's not a matter of they get enough nutrition, but it's 
finding a happy medium of things that they will eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like I said, we have a really winning culture here where, you know, for example, when we travel, you know, we stay at nice hotels and I do all the meals. You know, we, we will do steak and salmon and sweet potatoes and brown rice, salad, the whole deal, wow. you know, okay. for dinner and pregame meals. And for every breakfast, we have uh, meat and nuts and eggs and omelets and things like that. So it, it's a high <laughs> level from a nutrition standpoint. Wow. Um, there's no question about that, yeah. but it's about them going to bed at night, turning off their phones, getting off yeah. Twitter, yeah. go to bed, you know, go to bed. It's a constant battle. But I will say what has changed us from a performance standpoint is I, we are the first school in the country to do blood draws where I'll do lab yep. testing three times a year on these guys, a comprehensive profile. And so from there – we can take countermeasures with nutrients, with vitamins and, and minerals and things like that of what guys are excessive or deficient in, or if they're trending high or trending low in certain categories, um, you know, which is a high level, high, high level deal that yeah. they, they uh, made a commitment to me for, to doing that. So that, that's been that's, great in helping our guys for sure. Okay. The, the, those, uh, I mean, that you know, for our listener, that you know, they're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, strength and condition, get in there, but this is all it. the nutrition, yeah. uh, you know, ha- hammering the sleep, or, uh, you know, blood testing, checking their, I'm assuming red cell mags, zinc, that type of stuff, vitamin D, you know, oh, yeah. uh, manipulating their blood chemistry. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the the it penultimate like, uh, of every second of your day is accounted for as well, <laughs> Preston. It's a full-time job. Yeah. I have 15 children. There's no doubt about <laughs> that. Um, but let, let, let me show you the importance of that is when my first lab draw, it's a whole comprehensive profile. It's yeah. every single thing you can imagine. The average, this is true now, and we're, I'm in Florida, which it's sunny. It's the sunshine state. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. the average vitamin D on my team was 19. Hmm. The average 19 now it is every guy is above 58, so it's still not great, but it's way 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 better, you know. So that that just hits home right there from a performance standpoint. Of yes, these guys are talented. Yes, they're genetically gifted, but I mean just just think about that. Everyone was deficient in magnesium, Hmm. and and their sodium was spilling out. It was it was just awful, you know. So by being able to take countermeasures on that, or weight room performance has gone way up. The injury rate has gone way, way down. The, the sicknesses yep. of upper respiratory uh, sickness has gone way, way down. And guys' performance has obviously gone way up. T- tell me, Preston, how, like we have uh, a, str- a strength coach here, Keegan Smith. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he, yep. uh, for the Sydney Roosters, I know he, when he was involved there, introduced, you know, I think he was doing blood chemistry there, check zinc, mag, all that type of stuff, and and similar uh, to what you've done. And then the performance for the team was notably better. Uh, the results they were getting were consistent. They and, won a um, premiership. Won a premiership, yeah. and that was quite uh, unusual for here. It was like it was like, whoa, you know, that's a, a big deal. Yeah. What's it, it like in the in the U.S.? Is it uh, are you sort of uh, typical of the direction they're heading now, or are you sort of doing things that's different? And everyone no, else is I mean, still in the dark ages. In, yeah, in universe. It's still kind of taboo of, oh, wait, you want to stick needles in these guys and draw yeah. blood like, you, you know, you think doping and PEDs yeah. and all that stuff. So it took me a year to get approved. I had to go in front of the medical board here at the university three separate times and, and present this to them. You know, so it wasn't an easy thing to get past. Um, but we showed them the research and the literature from, again, injuries and, and illness and sickness and explain them we're not looking for a disease I'm looking at performance markers yep and uh, and so I think that kind of hit home for them you know from that standpoint but 
In the NBA, it's changing a little bit, but uh, I believe we're still the only school here to, to do that. Yeah. So, wow. but but like I said, we want to be great at everything. You know, it's we don't want to just be average. And so I think again, that's a big part of it is not just being great at strength training, but being great at eating, sleeping, mm. nutrition, supplements, recovery, the whole deal. Yeah. You know. Preston, there's I've got so many questions I want to ask you. <laughs> Let's say you have a guy who's in your volume group and it's in the off season and you're putting a fair bit of work on him to try and put some mass on or some some lean muscle you have some good results there you know he's eating good calories sleeping well he's putting on some size is there ever a lag in in i guess the skill adaptation to sort of catch up to the the increase in strength and mass that you might have put on a person or are they just doing enough still shooting and playing to for it to be organic yeah no i mean yeah that's that's the thing where you know, over the course of the program, I like to go from slow to fast movements. Um, you know, throughout their training cycles and things like that. It's um, but these guys play basketball every day of every their day. life. So yeah. even though we don't have practice, even though we don't have workouts in the off season, they're, they're still in the gym yeah. getting 500 to 1,000 shots up a day. They're still yeah. playing pickup ball. They're still working on whatever you know they weren't good at last last season or what they need to improve on because these guys want to be pros they're not just playing basketball yep. it's yeah. fun yep. this is this is their job so there's there's not an adaptation from that standpoint but i think there's enough variation in the program with regards to accumulation and intensification and, and progressing through yep. um, to power development things like that where there's enough recovery time set up in the program design with regards to deloading and so forth that they will recover yep. and they're always working on their skill anyway so it kind of all comes together okay next question with the nutrition you've got your three groups your volume your intensity blah 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 do you give them individually different like the volume group gets more calories or relative Dubs. strength gets more fat or something or is it is that getting too nitpicky? no it's not as detailed the the variation that occurs in that is with regards to the amount of carbohydrates they get post-workout right. post-practice yeah um because it's mandatory when they're finished their lift they have to get their shakes when they're finished whatever they're doing on the on the basketball court they have to swing right through the weight room which is connected and and get shakes so that's where the variation comes in yep. um but if i have a guy who needs to put on an enormous amount of lean mass which there's still a couple of those guys they will get more fats uh and so forth but it's not as detailed as probably you would have with a physique guy because mm. if you gave my starting point guard a diet on paper I yep. can tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's more about uh, eating consistently, explaining to them what I want them to eat, and then they're very, very good about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Does that so, make sense, kind of? Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Because these guys are basketball players; they're not weightlifters, they're yes, not physique yeah. guys. Exactly. They are basketball players, so it's a little bit of a different for sure. um, battle from that standpoint. You mentioned uh, obviously everything playing a role, and you're the forefront of uh, of the game, so to speak. By the sounds of it, you're you're leading. Uh, it sounds like uh, what you're doing is, is is the top of the game. Supplementation, obviously, huge in the in the physique world and um, you know, bodybuilding. What sort of supplementation do you, do you use? Uh, any sort of intra supplementation? or is it just that post-workout and also anything uh, performance-wise, cognitive function, you know, the, the, the fast brain or the, 
you know alpha gpc i know obviously poliquin's got quite a few products have you anything that you definitely use uh for these guys and can they take anything before they play games or is it on game day you know is it off limits and off season you're allowed to use certain things or yeah that that that's a great great question and you guys are gonna love this this is really gonna piss you off but uh (laughs) (laughs) so here's the deal and and it is so crazy and such a stupid way of thinking. I don't understand why it is the way it is. But so we, the governing body, the NCAA, is the governing body of college sports. And <laughs> where they got these numbers from, I have no idea. But we cannot provide, okay, so I can't buy from the school a product that contains more than 30% of the calories from protein. Okay, so you can do the math. They can drink eight gallons of Gatorade a day, but yeah. you cannot have whey protein by itself. So really? uh, wow. I have a product that was designed. In fact, uh, ATP Labs is going to design it now. It's going to be called Pentacarp Plus, yep. oh, yeah. where it will be 29.9% of calories from the whey with <laughs> Pentacarp. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, now... That does not mean that they can't take BCAAs, Alpha GPC, and so forth, but I can't provide it for them. Okay. Okay, so these guys come from a very, very diverse background, families, cities, and so forth. They do not have money. I'd rather them put their money towards food because they don't have the money to take supplements. Yep, okay. In college. A few guys do. Out of the 15, I have one or two that will take... Uh, the aminos and, and greens and things like that, but we can provide all the multivitamins, uh, vitamin D, zinc, and mag. But this is where it's crazy. They cannot take fish oil because it is considered a muscle-building substance. Wow. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's what so, it's banned. They can't actually take it at all. Well, they, could, they would have to go out and buy it. Right. So right. what I can provide, provide for them for, as a university, we do. Um, with regards to meals and food and, and yep. the vitamins and lab testing that we're doing, but that's how crazy it is. You you can wow. listen to you know you can turn up the rap music and drink Gatorade and become a pro. That's kind of the way of, of thinking yeah. <laughs> for that's, player development. That's just um, but we want to maximize everything that we can do within the rules, and when we do that, yep. Um, but that's that's kind of the the rules. They can we can't give them glutamine, none of that stuff. They can okay. take it, but they have to get it on their own. Okay. So besides a general post workout shake in the nutrients, that's about it. For our listener out there, Preston, there's plenty of strength coaches that listen to this show. To get an insight from your perspective, not so niche on basketball, but about program design to develop strength. For each phase, you've mentioned accumulation and intensification. intensification. You rotate through those phases. When you're doing a program, do you think about, okay, what's the goal of this phase? Then you hit your reps. Then you figure out how much volume. What's what's your method to actually design a workout? Yeah, A1, A2, B1, B2, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, again, it depends on the guy and it depends on his goal. And now their goals change each year. So, yep. for example, if I had a guy who needed to put on 10 kilos of lean mass for functional hypertrophy, and he was uh, kind of a mixed type, I would do three phases of him, and he would do, like, for example, six sets of six German incomplete rest, 
second phase, they may go into descending reps like uh, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6. Yeah. And then uh, wave loading, two or three waves of 753, 753, um, where the average intensity for the German incomplete rest would be, say, 82%. Uh, the second phase would maybe be 71% average, and then for the wave loading, it may be 75 to 80%. So there's different methods that I'm always using and always rotating, but it depends on his goal, mm. if it's functional hypertrophy or relative strength hypertrophy. Yeah. Um, sorry, relative strength. But along those lines, some guys will power clean. Some guys will snatch deadlift. It just kind of depends on what is their limiting factor. Yeah. So, for example, in summertime uh, of summer session A, say it is weeks one through three, I may have a guy doing the heavy light system of A1. It would be thick grip barbell bench, five-second eccentrics for six reps, no rest into A2, incline dumbbell, rotating grip, sets of 15, 3010 tempo, two minute break, and then into uh, a thick grip supinated chin up for six reps, five seconds down, and then for 15 reps, a seated row variation, something like that. Yep. Um, but along those lines, we all also train for power development and so forth, so there's a extreme progression and I don't want to be vague on it but it's very complex for each guy I think where the one uh, key is to have variation in volume per week because a lot of them are dopamine or acetylcholine guys Yep. and they need variation yep. they need change does that answer your question yeah that, that's fascinating oh, yeah. and, and so with the dopamine guys, I mean, is the variation necessary so that they don't overtrain themselves or is it so it's that they're bored. mentally engaged in what they're doing? Mentally, they will be bored. Yep. They will be bored. I, I mean, I see it all the time where they, they need change. Not always change in exercise, but change in the grip, change in the angle, something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, but most of them are intermediate types between dopamine and acetylcholine. So... I'll, ch I'll make change every other training session, yeah. if that makes sense. So change within volume also. Um, but I do like to work from short to long, from strength to speed for those guys. So they may do RDLs, then go into good mornings, then snatch pulls, then clean pulls, and then power snatch from the floor, something okay. like that. Yeah, right. right. You mentioned, you know, like maybe it's a number off the top of your head. You had to put 10 kilos on someone in an off-season. Is that something that's achievable? Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Because they are athletes; they are very genetically gifted. I yeah. can't take credit for all of the before and yeah. after pictures that we've done because these guys choose their parents wisely. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, ten kilos in off season is not rare at all. Wow. Very easy. Yeah, very okay. easy. But you also have to understand too that their lifestyle went from zero to a hundred. Their training has never been correct or proper. They've never gotten post-workout nutrition. They've never yeah. eaten properly. So Heaps when you throw throw all these variables in there, yeah. mm. their bodies just they grow like a weed. Tell me, Preston, you uh, you sound like uh, you're always sort of educating yourself. You you get Charles to come to your 
uh, facility there and you, and you, and you do the, the, the little internships and um, always learning. Are you actively uh, going out and, and, and sort of keeping at the forefront or do you have your basics that you sort of stick to and, you, and you're content with that side of things? Like where do you uh, continually uh, learn yourself specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think you can learn something from everybody. Um, you know, I'll have, I'll host internships here and I find myself, you know, teaching, but I can always learn something from them. Um, like I said, with Wolfgang, we do two camps a year. We'll do one here in Florida, then one at uh, his place in Stuttgart. And being around the, the high level of students that go to his seminars, I can learn from them also, even if it's indirectly, as well as, um, pick up things from him he's he's a such a great teacher i find when he's lecturing i'm getting a free seminar you know yeah, and yeah. like i said i bring charles in but um i am more picky of instead of going to a national conference or whatever like i said i want to find the best and i want to go learn from them um okay. so i like to bring people and i'm fortunate where i have the resources here i can bring people in to learn from yeah you yeah. know um like for example annette from posturology she's coming here this weekend she Wanted to go to a game, and uh, so she will be here this weekend. And like I said, I bring in Charles, and, and every year um, I'll do different Skype uh, interviews and consults and so forth if it's something that I'm interested in. And uh, a guy named Al Vermeil, who's been a huge influence on me, he was the strength coach for the Chicago Bulls forever. Um, I try and always pick up something from him once a year, uh, as well as you know reading and, and yeah. so forth. But mm. I, I just I, I've always had an open mind where you can always learn something from anybody. I dare say, uh, much like myself, each time I, you know, uh, periodize a, a competitive stage, I sort of hone the craft each time. It's a little more uh, specific to that individual, and I sort of learn by actually doing myself. I find that I, you know, will vary things on the way in and and it's like wow that that worked really well and you know just by doing what we do we're sort of learning and educating ourselves along the line yeah, exactly you know at the end of every season at the end of every phase and at the end of every off season training i'm always looking back and seeing hey what what worked what didn't what could i have done better for this guy or this guy and you know it's a constant uh progress where you know as you guys all know there's no magical program mm. but i think it's finding the best system for the guy yeah. yeah what methodology or what method will work best to achieve that goal for that specific player i think that's where it separates you from just being good to great yeah you know but you you have to make mistakes to grow yeah you yep. know and um like i said one of the things i learned from coach donovan is he never wanted me to become comfortable, and I think you know the most dangerous place is, is where you're comfortable and where you're in your little safety zone and feel great about yeah. yourself because you know you're making progress and your team's winning or your clients are having great results. But I think that's a very dangerous thing: is is never allow yourself to be comfortable. Yes, you know, no one deserves to know everything, and yeah. so I think we all can learn from each other. You know. So what's next on the cards for you, Preston? I mean, would you like to go to the NBA, or where do you move? No, you could not pay me enough to do that. Really? No, yeah. I want. <laughs> yeah. At this point in my life, I want no part of it. Yeah. No, I do not want to stretch guys every day, and that's it. Yeah. Because what is, unfortunately, and I don't want to make it a negative... Uh, 
connotation about it, but unfortunately what has shifted and what has changed in the NBA in the last five years is they've taken all the guys out of the weight room and have made it all physical therapy. Yes. Oh, wow. And so I have a huge problem with that is, is, okay, that's all great in theory, but why hasn't the injury rate gotten better? It's actually gotten worse. Yep. So if your number one chance for winning is having a healthy team and durability, then why do you allow them to get weaker as the season goes on? So it's been a huge shift with the sports science that has come out. I think the analytics and, and all that is great and it has its rhyme and reason, but in my opinion, there's no technology that can tell an athlete's readiness to train or where he is at than the coach's eye. You know, mm. so I've, I have a huge problem with what is going on in the NBA for the most part in today's businesses. Guys don't lift, guys don't train. It's all PT. Yeah, and yeah, I, right. I don't think that's going to help the injury rate at all. I think it's going to be quite the opposite. So for me, I'm, um, I'm very grateful and very thankful for where I am. I just, like I said, I want to win big. I want to be able to compete for championships and I, I want to, you know, win a title. Yeah, beautiful. So no NBA. We <laughs> we shot shot that one down. That's yeah. cool. I get that. What about you? Should, you, you should mentioned, never say no. So yeah. I'm saying at this point in at time. At this anyway. point in my career, correct. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. unless uh, it was a great opportunity with a great front office and a great head coach, yeah. and you get yeah. some control. Because you know, like you for say, example, at the Oklahoma City Thunder, it's a great organization. Their nutrition uh, is top of the line. It's best in the NBA. But there's 12 guys involved in the training and I, I don't think that's a healthy environment no way mm. yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen that's right when yeah you, correct yeah correct. when you say there's not enough money in the world to uh to pay you to do it well, uh, well maybe there is point. enough money yeah, yeah i was gonna say preston yeah. okay no nba but you mentioned wolfgang some seminars like when uh obviously uh well i'm interested in hearing what you had to have to to say certainly with wolfgang uh, it's another guy that i'm really interested in mm. what's coming up like where can our because our 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 reach is far and wide it is international where can guys uh get in uh, listen to yourself and, and and wolfgang in the in the near future what's what's happening seminar wise yeah he is uh he, he's a great teacher i think i said that but he's he's a really 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 good teacher um I think people have a chance to take his courses that they should. It's on his website. He is uh, quite okay. the business and marketing guy. He's, I think he averages uh, 37 Facebook posts a day. I can't even keep up, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they can check out his website, and he okay. will uh, post everything on there um, for that, for all that stuff. And then, uh, You'll be collaborating yeah. with him again soon, no doubt. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. All right, cool. Righto, Preston, that's uh, absolutely fascinating. We do uh, appreciate you so much for your time, and yeah. uh, I'll be keeping an eye on the NCAA and uh, how the Florida Gators go. Great. Well, I appreciate you guys' time. You guys are doing a great thing. Thanks, Preston. Awesome. Thank we'll you, Preston. You Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Yep. Keep, keep up the great work. Okay, bye. Bye now. Bye. Preston Green, living the uh, SNC coach's dream awesome over, guy over too. there in Florida. Yeah, lovely guy. Very well respected too. So yes, um, everyone acknowledges he's doing some pretty amazing things. Interesting the depths he goes to for his uh, 
uh, the guys on his team really above and beyond what uh, what you think would be involved as a, an SNC coach. All eyes dotted and T's crossed and really just focused on success and winning and, and will accept nothing less within that system. Yeah, mm. interesting the the limitations of his uh, supplementation that he could uh, get yes, the guys to take. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we're talking recommend it, but can't actually supply it or exactly. you know, drinks can't have. What was it? Tw- uh, over 30 grams of uh, 30 grams protein? of protein yeah, per serve. In the serve. Crazy. It's, yeah, quite, quite Performance enhancing. Really uh, interesting as well what he said about the NBA. Yeah, that's not a bar of it. Basically just use a rehabilitation model and don't touch a weight during the season. You look at some of uh, their physiques and you wonder how that's possible to maintain Gen- that genetic muscle mass freaks, but, uh, without lift, lifting a weight. But he also pointed out the injuries are still... Uh, you know, yeah. it's, uh, obviously yeah. it's not working in that regard. Yes. There he was, Preston Green. We had Dan Garner on the show as well. How he, good is Dan? The ins and outs of carbohydrates all sorted out. That is the the macronutrient of performance. Yeah. Rodin, you and I just gave our little spin on initial phases of programming for our uh, individual clientele. Yeah, I think uh, we polywaffled around. It really didn't say too much. And uh, <laughs> our listener will be confused, uh, no less. No. Yeah. <laughs> that has been the show. Send us an email to podcast at iconph.com.au. We'll see you guys in a week or two.